It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.08 on a Saturday morning, broadcasting live this morning from Hearthside Sugarloaf. And you can come by. We had a guest just a minute ago, just drove right in. Said, hey, I heard you on the radio. I was going down Sugarloaf Parkway. I thought I'd come in and check the amenities. This is a 62 years old and better. So for active adults who moved down to Atlanta who have maybe kids or grandkids around here, this is a perfect place and very, very, very convenient. Wherever you live or work in Atlanta, this is a convenient place to stay because it is uh, right there on Sugarloaf Parkway. So you can get here, over to the expressway, go up, go down. If you have kids or grandkids you want to visit easily, this would be a place that you could look stay because it is right there on Sugarloaf. 750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. Nathaniel is way out in Lithonia and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Nathaniel, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you this morning? I'm fine. How can I help, friend? Uh, I have four uncore azaleas. They're kind of tall. They're stringy, maybe about five feet tall. They do bloom. Yeah. I want to cut them back so it can be more of a bush type. What's the best time to do that, and would I lose the bloom for the next season? If you do it right now, it's great. I mean, really, really, this is the best time in the world to do the pruning, Nathaniel. Okay. Um, the most, I mean, Encore azaleas, we know they bloom two, maybe three times during a season. And so you're not going to have much of a mid-season bloom this year because they'll still be building new buds and making themselves ready for flowering. But I would guess that you would uh, get blooms again in September, October this year. If you prune right now, it gives them enough time to recover and set the bloom buds on it. And the whole process gets uh, ready to go for a September, October bloom. Okay, now, is it best just to cut the top out and do it that way, or should I cut something from the bottom? So, so I want to be you know, sure. a lot of it depends on your own, your own eye and what you think needs to come out. And quite honestly, I just finished pruning some other kinds of azaleas, some Japanese azaleas in my front yard. And I just took the clippers and clipped them right about uh, two, two and a half maybe feet from the ground. They were about three or four feet originally. And so I just clipped them all down and didn't worry about interior, exterior, or anything like that. And I think they'll do fine. I, these are ones that I prune just about every year, every other year, maybe. And they do fine if you prune them in April and May. Okay. All right. Now, let me ask you another quick question. I, I got some five reds. Five reds. Can I clip them out, too, right now? Use what kind of plant? Fire? I think it's called fire red. It's, it's like nandinos that they turn red yeah. in the wintertime, you know, right around December. They're green during the whole year, oh, more like that? a bush. Yeah, I mean, I know there's certain, there's a fire, sort of, I think it's fire in the name of one of the Nandinas. Are you sure it's not a Nandina that you're talking about? I think it's a Nandina. I think they call it fire red. Yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking, one of the varieties of Nandina. And it's a dwarf, is that not correct? correct. It's about Can three I cut feet it back too now? Sure, yeah, now's a good time to do that, too. I would cut it back by six inches, 12 inches would be fine if you need it to be smaller. Yeah, sure. Okay, all right. Well, thank you very much. It's been great day. talking to you. All right, bye-bye. You bet. Thanks for calling. Drew is with us. He's got, he's got some itching going on. He's got chiggers in the landscape. Hey, Drew, good morning. Hey, Walter, how are you? <clears throat> I'm fine. How can I help, Drew? We just purchased a new house, and in the backyard there's an in-ground pool with a retainer wall, and uh, we found a, a, a massive amount of red bugs, which I, I think are chiggers. Um, 
real small, <laughs> smaller than the pin tip, uh, and they're just everywhere. Yeah. And I talked to the previous owner, and he said he's never had an issue with them. So yeah. I've been to the stores trying to find a pesticide. Can't really find anything that specifically says it will kill red bug or chiggers, or I guess they're called harvest mites as well. Yeah, I've got great news for you, Drew. You right. probably don't have chiggers. You probably do not have chiggers. I'll be willing to bet, based on your description already, that they're red and very small. They're probably called clover mites, and clover mites are not, uh, they don't bite, they don't do anything to humans. They live in areas where there's a lot of clover, and they're real red, they're real active, and they just crawl around on walls and, you know, upright things, sometimes on the furniture because the wind will carry them around. But they don't hurt people and don't bite people, so that's a good thing to know. Okay, good. So chiggers, you can barely see a chigger. Chigger, Chiggers are usually sort of an orangey-pink color. The nymphs are the ones that that bite your skin. But the uh, clover mites are a deep red and real easy to see, and they appear right about now every year. So that's why I think you have clover mites instead. So so do I need to treat for those or just let them be or...? They, yeah, let them be. They don't do anything harmful. And again, it's just sort of noticing them and seeing them on surfaces. And that's the only thing that is remarkable about them. I don't, re- don't really know what they eat or what they do in the landscape other than provide food for birds and frogs and things like that. They eat small, small insects. That's all they do. So that's what I think you have. Go and look online. Look online, Drew, and see if you can find a picture of a clover mite and see if that doesn't correspond with what you have. Because I'll bet you that's what you have is clover mites. And thank goodness, not chiggers. Chiggers, they say, once they bite and the itch starts, that amputation helps, but just for a little while to get that <laughs> chigger bite taken under control. 404-872-0750, the number on Lawn and Garden. We've got Melvin. Melvin joins us out of Austell this morning. Hey, Melvin, good morning. Good morning, morning Walter. How, How can I help? Walter, I, I planted some uh, squash and, and cucumbers. I was trying to see, I planted like three or four seeds. I planted to see how many, how many is seeds or plants you put leave in one in the hole usually melvin i put two or three seeds in a hole and then when they sprout if there's more than one i'll pinch out the weaker ones and leave the large one there but you don't want to have more than one plant in an area or in you know that from that hole eventually but you get to choose which of the three or maybe four but i usually think three is fine at least two of them will germinate and you just pinch out the one that you don't like okay no more than two two or three then Two or three is fine to start with, and then, like I said, you leave, keep the large one and pinch out the uh, small ones that are not as big. Okay, and that's where these uh, cucumbers too, correct? Same thing. Same thing on cucumbers. You don't want to have more than one plant from the hole coming up in the next month or so. You want to make sure you just have the one plant coming up. Okay. All right, Dan. Thank that you it? very much. All right, and then one more thing, Melvin, because we're friends now. Since you talked to me on the radio, be sure and look on my website for some ideas about how to combat the squash vine borer, which is one of those heartbreaking yeah, insects that bores. Yeah, you last week. You're talking yeah, about exactly. You, you, you think I can put down newspaper or put down some pine bark or something around there? Well, the oh, newspaper and the mulch help to keep the ground from drying out, sure, but they don't do anything for the squash vine borer. And what I think I said last week was if you have, if you've ever had squash vine borer before, you'll probably have it again. And the easiest way that I can think of to keep it from, keep the moth from laying her eggs on the stem of your squash plants is to uh, cover the whole plant when they're young, like they are right now, and you know, a few inches tall, cover the whole plant with floating row cover or frost cloth. Some people call it, you can buy it at Pike, it's easy to find and get this floating row cover and put a couple of sticks in the ground on either side of your squash plants and just cover the whole thing 
with this white, very thin, thin, thin material. And rain goes through it, sunshine goes through it just fine. But the moths that lay the insects that become the squash vine borer larvae can't get through it at all. And you don't have to really take it off until the plant is big enough for it to flower. So you've got you know, two or three weeks maybe before the plant will be big enough to do that. And it protects it for the whole time as long as you seal it around the edges. This floating row cover on top of your cucumber and squash plants really does protect them from the squash vine borer because you do not want to have the heartbreak of the whole plant wilting just the day after you get your first cucumber or zucchini or yellow squash or anything like that. That's what squash borer does if you don't control it. It uh, bores, the larvae bores into the stem and the whole thing wilts and you cannot get it to recover from that point. Thanks for calling, Melvin. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take Melvin's place. Who's next in here? We got uh, Deb in Lilburn who has a question about her Japanese maple. Hey, Deb, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How can I help? I have some full-grown maples. I'm not interested in bonsai, but I'd love hands-on classes on how to prune them and shape them and such. And I sure. was wondering if that was anything that you'd run across a particular, um, maybe a, I don't know, a club here in town or yeah. classes or something. There's a guy named Norm Mitleider who is a master Japanese maple pruner, and he does a class at least once a year at the Atlanta Botanical Garden. Okay. And you can uh, go to the ABG website or maybe go to, I believe his company is called Art of Pruning and artofpruning.com and see when his classes are. But I, he may do others besides the ABG class, but I know that he's done there at the Atlanta Botanical Garden some classes on pruning Japanese maples. Great. Thank you so much. I appreciate the information. Yeah, and you'll enjoy it. Art is a, an interesting character, but he knows what he's talking about when he talks about caring for Japanese maples. I think you'll really, really enjoy the class there. Oh. Thanks for calling, Deb. 717 at News Talk WSB. You're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. I just went outside at Hearthside Sugarloaf to see what their gardens look like, and it is a great day for gardening. Tomatoes are coming up in the resident gardens outside. Today, the partly cloudy weather is going to hold high in the mid-80s, 20% chance of rain. Pretty much the same overnight with lows in the upper 60s. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And proving once again what a great co-worker Ashley Frasca is. She looked online to see when the next Japanese maple pruning class was going to be. It is June 27th, 9.30. Fee is $29. You can go to the Atlanta Botanical Garden website and get more details about the class on Japanese maple pruning, if that's something that interests you. Gail is in Dunwoody, and Gail joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Gail. Hi, good morning. Walter. How can I help? I have some kind of growth on the underside of my azaleas, and it looks sort of like a canker, and it, 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 of the leaves, and they turn sort of bulbous. Yeah. Tell you what, you're breaking up real badly, Gail, so let me put you on hold. But this is another situation where people who do the play along with Walter or what would Walter say uh, game, they know exactly what this is. This is azalea leaf gall. That's what it's called, azalea leaf gall. And it's caused by a fungus that infects the bud at the end of the branches and causes the leaves to sort of swell up and be really, really thick. 
And it's not something that really harms the plant too much, but it's something that most gardeners, if they see it, pick it off, put it in a baggie or put it in a bucket and discard it completely from the landscape because it can infect other azalea leaves for next year. And it's sort of disfiguring and nobody likes to look at it. So they just pick it off, put it in a baggie and discard it. But it's, that's what it's called. It's azalea leaf gall. Camellias get it sometimes too. And the timing of taking them off is, is important here because you want to get it off as soon as you see it not wait until it turns white and sort of uh, looks like mildew all over because that's when it sporulates that's when it infects other leaves around it so try to get those azalea leaf galls or camellia leaf gall off of your plants immediately when you see them discard them from the landscape there's no particular fungicide that helps to protect them or do anything for the plant to keep from getting next year the best thing to do is simply to pick it off and discard the uh, azalea leaf gall what is the is it Entomosporium azalea? I can't remember exactly the name for that, but I used to once and upon a time know what the name was for the uh, scientific name was for that particular fungus. We're broadcasting live this morning from Hearthside Sugarloaf, a great active adult community for people 62 years old and better. If you want a place to come and live and you're looking around the southeast for a place that you're, maybe your parents and your grandparents would like to come be near the kids and the grandkids, this would be a great place to introduce them to. It's right off of Sugarloaf Parkway. Great amenities here, including the garden that I mentioned a minute ago. Great place to live and uh, meet new friends and be next to the kids who've moved down south. Our number on Lawn and Garden is 404-872-0750. We'll be back right after news. On the road to Shambhala Everyone is lucky Everyone is so kind On the road to Shambhala Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries Your neighborhood garden center Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years Call now with your lawn and garden questions At 404-872-0750 Or 1-800-WSB-TALK And now, here's Walter it's 7.35 on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, and we are broadcasting live this morning from the Hearthside Sugarloaf Active Adult Community. Lots and lots of people come in this morning. People that drove in off of Sugarloaf Parkway because they knew this is such a great place to live, wanted to investigate a little bit more about it. We have representatives here. They'll be happy to show you around and show the gardens at the Hearthside Sugarloaf location, 5600 Sugarloaf Park <coughs> Parkway. We gave away some tickets to the Penny McHenry Hydrangea Festival tour and lecture that's going to be coming up in June, June the 6th and 7th, if I'm not mistaken, right here. Let's get the talking points and find out. 6th and 7th, 2015, Douglasville, Georgia. We're going to give away two more tickets to the tour as well as to the lecture that Tara Diller will be giving that day. And this will be a time that we get our engineer, Lorenzo Kemp. How do, Walter? How do, Lorenzo? Lorenzo is thinking of a number between 2 and 7, which you'll reveal to be in just a minute. As I tell you, there are other exhibits that will be at the Hydrangea Festival, miniature gardens and wheelbarrows, activities at the Cultural Arts Center, and tours of the Go Douglas County Garden Clubs and Master Garden Gardens, Gardeners Gardens. Lorenzo, what number between 2 and 7 determines who wins this ticket prize pack? Well, Walter, since you started 6, let's, All right. let's go with 6. So we start at 6 o'clock this morning, and that's the way it goes. Caller number 6 to our contest line at 404-741-0750. Ashley said you did a great job in thinking of that number, Lorenzo, so we do appreciate that. Thank you. Fine <laughs> bit of work. 404-741-0750, and the 6th caller 
gets tickets to the Penny McHenry Hydrangea Festival events. Let's go to the phones. We got uh, Tammy who's in Woodstock and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Tammy. Good morning. Good morning, Walter. How can yeah, I help? I uh, took a Bradford pear out of my front yard. Yeah. And I put it in a little cherry tree, and it died. It was green, and it died. So now I want to know, is it too late in the season to plant another tree? And I want something, not for shade, just quick growing in the flowers. I think you're fine as long as you don't go on vacation for a week or two in July and forget to water it. Gotcha. Um, I, okay. I planted a tree back in... Let's see, it was late February, I guess it was. And for me, because I planted the same tree two years ago and it died, I want to make sure I don't waste my money on this one. Yes, and so I got right. one of those uh, watering things that are called um, uh, gator bags or gator mm -hmm. something or others. You can buy them from Pike. You put water in them and it slowly trickles water down to them. And that is mm -hmm. just really keeping it looking vibrant right now. Okay. And what so, do you suggest? Why not another cherry tree? Do you want a cherry or something different from that? Well, is that is that fast growing? Pretty fast growing. I would say that a, a Kwanzaa cherry in particular is a very fast growing a cherry Kwanzaa. tree. Okay. Yeah, Kwanzaa. All KW. right. Well, I will try another one. All right. I think you should. Kwanzaa cherry okay. is a gorgeous plant and uh, pink flowers in the spring. I like it a lot. That would be a good one. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks for calling, Tammy. You bet. 404-872. Zero seven fifty. What about Heather in Lawrenceville? Heather, join us on Lawn and Garden. Hey. Hey, um, Heather. I have a question about my backyard. I receive about three or four hours of sunlight on average, and I have spoke to a few different people, and they all just about said every um, said that no grass will grow. All you need to do is either mulch it or concrete the whole backyard. I don't <laughs> okay. want to do that. And I have plenty of weeds growing. I mean, and I have a dog. So I was like, I would like yeah. to have some grass for him and for me. So I was thinking, I, was look, I looked it up, and I thought zoysia would be a good choice, but I don't know. I would like to know better. I think you should listen to your friends. <laughs> really? I mean, Heather, you could put zoysia there, and the zoysia will look okay for the first year. Second year, it'll be little spots. You'll say there are weeds there that I really don't like to have in the zoysia. Third year, and the zoysia has much bigger spots because, again, it's sort of thinning out due to the shade. And by the fourth or fifth year, you're thinking, why did I spend all that money on that zoysia side? I should have known that the shade was going to do something bad to it. It's not growing very well. I got weeds everywhere. What should I do now? And you go back to your friends, and they say, well, we told you four or five years ago you can't grow grass in that much shade. So... Heather, I think you need to bite the bullet and just say I'm going to put wheat. I'm going to put uh, plants that are shade tolerant, rather than grass, because most lawn grasses need at least six hours of sun to thrive, and preferably eight or nine for Bermuda grass and maybe some of the zoysia grasses. I just don't think you'll be successful. All right, thank you. No, Heather, come on now. I've got some more suggestions, too. Um, oh. For shade-loving plants, there's nothing wrong with asking around if you have friends and say, does anybody here have a patch of Mondo grass in their lawn or the landscape or something like that? And a lot of times you'll find that somebody does have a patch of Mondo grass, which you can dig up the Mondo grass. It's not really a grass. It's more of a lily, but it looks just like grass. 
and divide the little seedlings uh, out of a patch of it, and you can get a hundred out of a shovel full of mondo grass that you dig up, and you can plant those little seedlings about six or eight inches apart from each other, and over a couple of year period, the mondo grass tolerates shade perfectly. It is a very, very shade tolerant plant, and you get something that looks like grass, but isn't really a grass, and it looks nice underneath your trees, and that is the direction I would head rather than trying to get turf grass to grow there. Perfect. So it would just act like a grass. I would have to go out and mow the lawn and stuff like that, or yeah, but once or once a month, maybe, maybe once every six weeks or so. It does not require a lot of mowing because it does, doesn't really want to get much higher than six or eight inches. So you okay. can leave it and not have to mow it more than once or once or two or three maybe times in a summer. And this again Perfect. is Mondo grass, M-O-N-D-O, Mondo grass. You can buy it, I know you can buy it from nurseries, but a lot of times it's a lot cheaper and easier to uh, go and dig it up out of somebody's yard because many times when people have it, it'll be in places they don't really want it. And so they'll let you dig it up and um, take it to your yard. That's a great way of sharing things in a neighborhood and just ask around in places where adults gather on the weekends. If you're going to see the Hawks game on TV or something like that this weekend, then uh, ask them a little bit more about Mondo grass. Somebody's got some Mondo grass for Heather, I feel sure, in your neighborhood. Heather, thanks for calling. Let's get out of here. We got uh, Margie in Douglasville. Margie, you're on News Talk W. Yes, Good morning. Good morning. How can I help? Well, I've got a couple of knockout rose plants that bloomed beautifully one time, and now that yeah. the, the blossoms are spent, there's no more buds on it. And I put, I put some rose uh, Bayer, Bayer stuff on it one time yeah. so far, <clears throat> and I kept it watered real well, but there's no buds coming. What do you suppose huh. is the problem? Does it have leaves? I mean, it's got oh, to have yeah. green leaves, plenty, right? Plenty of leaves. Yep, plenty of leaves. They look green and pretty. Now, there is something eating on it, but I can't see any bugs on it. But uh, uh, other than that, it looks healthy, so I'm not figuring out why there's no more buds. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, when did you, when's the last time you fertilized? I know the bear, there's some bear products that have fertilizer in them. Is uh, this a fertilizer it, thing you put on? Just, just a couple of weeks ago, it's, it's the bear that has supposed to have the fertilizer in the and the okay. weed, and, okay. I mean, the bug stuff and all that in it. Yeah. Knockout roses are blooming all over Atlanta right now. And I, I think my neighbor, if I'm not mistaken, I saw some little new buds coming in to take the place of the old flowers there. So why yours would not be putting any buds on, I can't imagine, Margie, other than maybe thinking it needs to have a little more fertilizer or something like that. I mean, knockout roses, they really are putting on a lot of growth. And when a plant puts on a lot of growth at one time, it needs yeah, to be fed pretty but, regularly. Now, the one, the, the Bayer Advanced I have says to do it every six weeks. Would it hurt to do it? It's been just a couple of weeks since I did it. Would it hurt to do it again then? You know what I would do is get some miracle Grow. Let's go get some miracle Grow and mix some up in a five-gallon bucket and drench your plants with that and see if that doesn't kickstart things pretty well. Okay, actually, I think I did do that a couple of days ago. So. Oh, oh. <laughs> if you fertilize recently, then don't do it again. But I right. would think that a little bit of fast-acting fertilizer like miracle Grow or some other product like that would really kickstart the whole bud-making process. Okay, and it doesn't have to be for roses, just, just the miracle bloom no, buster or whatever. Regular old yeah, exactly. Bloom Buster will be fine. You'll do okay, fine. Okay, as far as the, the, uh, something eating on it, what, what should I, would the seven deaths do any good for that? Or I can't well, see anything on it. I have to know what the bug is before I know whether the seven dust is going to be the right thing to recommend. The thing is, I can't, what see, is any, the, I can't see any. I can't see any. It's just a little, little, it's getting starting to look kind of lacy. 
you know, just ah, you have uh, soft flies, soft fly larvae. Go on my website or Google it either way, and type in rose soft fly. One word, soft fly. And the larvae of the rose sawfly make rose leaves turn sort of like lace, almost like Japanese beetles do, but it's way too early for Japanese beetles right now. So look up rose sawfly, and if you want to look on my website, I have some ideas on how to control them, mainly uh, insecticidal soaps or even squishing it with your fingers uh, when you find them. But the best time to find them, Marge, is early in the morning. I mean, like as soon as the sun rises, go out and look at the backside of your rose leaves. And many times you'll see these little wormy things that are eating up the leaves, giving a lace-like effect, just like you described. And they can either be squished or you can spray. Seven would work, I'm sure, but insecticidal soap will work fine as well. And see if that doesn't help to, to get rid of them. Marge, we've got to go, but thanks for calling. That was a great call. And I want to put another thing into the hopper about what kind of bugs eat roses, and that is the leafcutter bee. And the... The signs of having a leafcutter bee in, uh, infestation or leafcutter bee family near your garden would be the, in, the edges of the leaf look like a perfect half circle, perfect half circle on the edges of your rose leaf. And there may be 5, 10, 15 of these perfect half, circle, half circles that have been eaten out of the edge of the tree. And what happens is the leafcutter bee will cut that little circle out of the edge of the leaf, sort of crumple it up and fly with it to a place where she has found a hole in a wall or a little hole in a plant stem that uh, cracked open last winter or something like that. And she'll stuff that little piece of leaf down inside and lay an egg there. And so her little baby leafcutter bee will be able to develop and have something to eat from the leaf that she stuffed in there. And that is what is very common on roses besides the sawfly larvae at this time of year. Scott Maxwell sent me a picture of a leafcutter bee damage to some plant in his mother's garden. He sent it just a few minutes ago. And I immediately said, oh yeah, leafcutter bees, they're out there all the time. And usually you see the damage mostly in early to mid-spring, I guess. And the other plant they get on is hibiscus. I see them on hibiscus and red buds as well. Just a leafcutter bee, perfect little half circle cut out of the edge of the leaf. That's what that is. 404 is the number on Lawn and Garden. We'll be back right after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Partly cloudy through the day, a very pleasant afternoon. Highs in the mid-80s, 20% chance of rain. Pretty much the same conditions overnight with the highs, or I should say a low in the upper 60s. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. I've got somebody on the line who is not happy right now. Huell in Rome, Georgia. Join us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Huell, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Thank you for taking my call. So uh, what did you do? I uh, had some uh, wild onions or wild garlic or whatever. Uh, I had oh, a bunch of them all around my hydrangea plant, and I thought I would disturb the roots uh, if I tried to dig them all up. And uh, I, I watered it with image, uh, not reading the fine print. I guess uh, it's not compatible with hydrangeas, and it's turning yellow. But uh, it hadn't completely died, uh, and I've I've been watering it with Miracle Grow occasionally to maybe help bring it back. But it's turning yellow and and light green and not looking good at all. Is there anything else lo- I can do? 
How long ago did you do it, Huel? Uh, about three weeks. Mmm. The power of prayer and crossed fingers and appeals to the saints and things like that might be all the resources you have at this point. If you want to do this, I'll give you one thing that might work, but I'm not going to give you more than 20 or 30% chance of this working well. And that would be to dig the whole hydrangea, uh, wash all the soil away from it, move it to another place, and see if that hydrangea has enough energy and ability to re-sprout after the damage from the herbicide. Okay. But that's a lot of work. And again, it's just digging it up, washing all the dirt away from the roots, and planting it in some other place. And maybe, maybe, maybe it'll re-sprout. Maybe it'll recover. Okay. Well, I thank you very much. I'll give it a try. And we know we don't need to say, read the label next time. So your hydrangeas yeah, don't... Yep. Uh, I'm guilty this time. Yeah, guilty this time. You know, the... The terrible thing is, I can confess, I'm not going to give you the details right now, but I have myself applied some herbicides where it didn't really mean to put the herbicide down. And so uh, gardeners do that. Sometimes you just forget what's in the sprayer or you put something down and then you read the label afterwards and realize, oh, that was stupid. I did something bad there. So don't think you're the only person who's ever made a mistake. You'll some other gardeners, theoretically good gardeners, do the same thing sometimes, and it doesn't turn out very well. Thanks for calling, Huel. we got Tom in Atlanta. He'll be with us in the next half hour. This oak tree is dropping all of its leaves and needs an explanation for that. Brian's down in Fayetteville and wants to move his four-foot-tall Japanese maple. How can he do it now successfully? Rick in Brazelton has some Mondo grass. He is mowing down. Wants to know a little bit more about that. And Kristen in Jefferson has gardenia leaves that are yellowing and falling off. And why, oh, why is that happening to her? Our number is 404-872-0750. We're broadcasting live from Hearthside Sugarloaf this morning, right off of Sugarloaf Parkway, 5600 Sugarloaf Parkway. Look for the signs on the side of the road. Come right in, and we'll be here for you to bring your questions and samples and anything else you have. We'll be right back to more Lawn and Garden after news.